Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just wanted to say, if you like what we're doing, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you subscribe, you'll get access to exclusives, including guests, and we'll be polling patrons and generally soliciting you for ways to improve the pod. So if you get a chance, please subscribe and help Podside Picnic do more and better work. Thanks so much. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of Podside Picnic. Uh, as you know, uh, you wouldn't be li- listening to us if you didn't know what was going on. Typically, we talk about books. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about a movie, and we have an extremely special guest. Uh, Connor, you want to talk this out? Yeah, so today we're actually discussing one of my very favorite movies, full stop, that happens to be science fiction, and that would be Rogue One. And here to discuss that with us is online's, dare I say it, premier Star Wars-related poster. Uh, She is a writer, a comedian, a podcaster, a Twitch streamer, all-around internet personality, Lucy Valentine, joining us from Melbourne, Australia. Hey, Lucy. Hi. Wow, you've really made me sound uh, illustrious there in describing all the white person activities that I do on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's be real. You're, you're much bigger than our podcast at this point. So honestly, we're humbled to have you on. Oh, that's good. Really bringing up, bringing up the quality. Fantastic. Connor, at this point in our recording process, your mother and my mother have listened to it. So I'm not sure saying she's <laughs> bigger than us is, is the thing to say. Uh, yeah, right. So we've got a couple of mothers, at least one father, one wife that are listening to this podcast. So yes. thank you. Uh, and Ryan Boyd, I know you're out there somewhere. If this is <laughs> but uh, so I'm just gonna start asking you some questions about Rogue One, which I I think you enjoy. Although we're gonna really get into the details and the context of that. So mm. Lucy, just in general, uh, I know you're a big Star Wars person, and you know, how did you get into Star Wars, and like, what has it meant to you over time? Mm, I feel like I should have some real like emotional story here. I think I remember my dad took me to see, they did a re-release of the original Star Wars in like 97, at least in Australia, there was like a cinema re-release. My dad took me to go see Star Wars. I loved it because I was a precocious, annoying seven-year-old and I thought it was very cool. And my dad bought me Star Wars socks. I wore them to school and other girls made fun of me. So this is really my uh, not like other girls origin story (laughs) as well. So this is your revenge on those girls. They don't have they're not on a hit podcast like this. Yeah, it's my revenge to be super different by liking one of the most popular film series of all time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is really interesting to me because that 97 release, like I'm I'm God help us all. I'm from a previous generation. So that release wasn't when I got into it. That's the point at which I wanted to to murder George Lucas. Right. See, I didn't have that context because I was seven and I hadn't seen the original Star Wars. So the first Star Wars that I saw was the the George Lucas horrifying, all the stuff that he did to it. Yeah, so well, while, I was... while, 
Go I was ahead, just going to I was just going to say I was emotionally seven. I didn't re- I wasn't really going anywhere. <laughs> Go ahead, Connor. Oh, yeah. So while Pete was like fulminating on some Usenet forum, like early, <laughs> early Internet days about how the, you know, remastered Star Wars was butchering the original. Lucy uh. was like prancing around in her Star Wars socks and making lightsaber noises mm-hmm. in, uh, on Phillip Island, Australia. Um, That's right. <laughs> and uh, so, like, I mean, you know, obviously you've stayed a fan um, of Star Wars generally for like 20 years, like, you know, what has it meant to you overall? Like, has it changed for you? Or is it just kind of like a casual thing that you like? I mean, how do you feel about it? Um, It's definitely not casual. I'm a Star Wars super fan. But um, I don't know. It's very hard to sort of pinpoint what's so special about Star Wars. It's just, it's the best movie of all time. I don't know. I don't know why. I feel like I'm not giving much, um, <laughs> much content for this. No, that's okay. Uh, well, let, let's talk about your, your, uh, how you approach a movie then. Because Connor and I, we've been talking about books for a long time, and he always focuses on the mechanics of, of writing, and I just sort of enjoy the book. Of but course with he mov- does. Exactly. Well, <laughs> we, we flip it with movies because he doesn't care about movies. He's obsessed with writing. And so we do the opposite. I deconstruct and he enjoys. What do you do, and how wrong is Connor? Wow, I feel like I'm actually not going to call Connor wrong for the first time in my life. It's a really strange situation I'm feeling right now. Wow, folks, this this is a milestone moment here. This is incredible. Real moment in our (laughs) friendship. Um, I don't know. I I do deconstruct films in Subway because I studied film at college and I'm one of those people. But I think in general, I just, I enjoy movies. I think if you see a movie in the cinema, I, I feel like I never don't enjoy it. I feel like I treat it as more of just a, I don't know, more of a laid back sort of thing to enjoy. But you, it's, there's things to deconstruct as well. I think with Star Wars, that's a specifically one film that I don't particularly deconstruct. It's just something I straight up enjoy. I, so, that sounds pretty healthy. I think does. so. It's probably the healthiest way to approach things. <laughs> So for you, Star Wars is kind of just this space of of joy that takes you back to childhood and has kind of been this constant just font yeah. of joy throughout your life, yeah? Yeah, there's, I mean, it's wars in space. I feel like if you're going to really get into the uh, details of Star Wars, you're probably treating it in the wrong way, which I think is what a lot of people do, particularly with Rogue One, which is, I, I still don't understand why a lot of people dislike Rogue One, but I think people are lacking a lot of that just straight up enjoying the movie that's about uh, space Jedis and lightsabers. I wanted to ask you about that because it, it seemed to me, based on how the way that I experienced the internet at least, that like you said, a lot of people who consider themselves really hardcore Star Wars fans did not like Rogue One. Uh, and I didn't know how to parse that. I mean, what do you make of it and what would you say to those people? Yeah, I find it really confusing. Like, I've tried to read about what it is they don't like, and it feels like we're just watching two different films. Because to me, Rogue One is like everything I wanted from a Star Wars movie. And I guess it just makes me think that people are seeing Star Wars in a different way, or they're wanting something different from it. Because I definitely enjoyed Rogue One more than um, Force Awakens, which people, you know, overwhelmingly thought was good, and then hated The Last Jedi. And I don't know, I feel very confused by a lot of the Star Wars discourse and I guess when that movie's that popular with so many people, they're everyone's getting something different out of it. And it's probably different for each person. But I just I can't fathom what's wrong with Rogue One. 
I, I don't get it. Well, what can I ask you? What did you like about Rogue One specifically? I just think it was the perfect Star Wars movie. It did what people sort of wanted from The Force Awakens and it had nostalgia and references to the old movies. But it was its own self-contained story. And I think it had really, really good character development for like one single movie with characters that came from nowhere. I feel like each of them has their own story that you can sort of experience and understand throughout the film. Villains are really cool. They had CGI Grand Moff Tarkin, which was ridiculous and awful, but it still <laughs> didn't detract from the film. It's a bizarre thing to do. Had really good actors, and I think it's just a really good story. Like I liked that they did one standalone story that connects to the Star Wars universe, but they're not they're not heroes, you know. You're not introduced to them as though they're going to be the new the new hero, the new Luke Skywalker of the movie. Right, and plus the, the main villain uh, who's trying to foil all their plans is Australian, which I found very relatable from my online yeah. experiences. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Ben Mendelsohn, I mean, fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> great actor. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so I, I might I might challenge you a little, little bit because, I mean, obviously you're saying very positive things, but I would go further than that. And, and you know, I, I'm the, you know, sort of the least well-versed Star Wars fan here. I'm a very casual Star Wars fan, though I do like it. And... Mm-hmm. It turns out that Rogue One, and I'm going to give people a little bit of background here. I think everyone knows this, but what, what sets Rogue One apart, um, the protagonist is a young woman named Jen Erso, who, through complicated circumstances, ends up stealing the plan or stealing the plans for the original Death Star, which her father has worked on. And there's a lot of complications, but this is what leads to the original sort of blowing up of the first Death Star in the original Star Wars trilogy. And uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> even the person who knew this what you know one thing that makes it so interesting is that she and most of the other important characters in this story die everybody uh, dies everybody dies at the end right that's so very shakespearean mm-hmm. and that's that gets to the heart of why i think this is my favorite star wars movie it's very poignant in a lot of ways and essentially those ways kind of orbit around the fact that this is a story that in a narrative universe that tends to be driven by chosen ones like anakin or luke or ray who are these sort of mystical chosen figures uh, these messiahs are prophets almost of this of this system in the Star Wars universe. This is a story about the stakes for more ordinary people and the sacrifices they make and what this what this whole intergalactic war truly costs. And for me, that made it my favorite Star Wars movie. Uh, I think it's, you know, I would say it's the best Star Wars movie. And I'm curious to see, you know, why you think I'm wrong or why I'm overrating that. Or maybe you don't, but hit me with it. I definitely don't think that that's a more eloquent way of putting what I was trying to say in that it's it's more about the war and it's about just ordinary people. None of these, you know, they're not Jedis. Well, there are Jedis, but um, they're just ordinary people. And it deals with how they're dealing with the Empire and the war that's going on around them. You know, Jin doesn't particularly care about it. She doesn't want to be involved in it at the start. And, you know, her dad's been working for the military industrial complex for reasons that, you know, he doesn't want to but he's building a Death Star, basically. And there's all these people that are caught up in these wars. And I feel like the other Star Wars doesn't generally get into that. It's always about the hero. It's all about the Luke Skywalker of the story. I like that Rogue One doesn't do that. I've always felt that what distinguishes Rogue One from the other films is that at one level or another, the other films tend to target children. And Rogue One is sort of like, I don't know, the Magnificent Magnificent Seven or a war movie or something. Like there's a murder within the first seven minutes. Mm. And it just, it really feels like a film that's trying to target Star Wars fans rather than 
rather than pod race fans. And am I am I wrong? I mean, I honestly of of us, I've seen Rogue One the fewest number of times. I've seen it twice, which is a lot for me for a movie. But I realize that you both have have invested more in the film, so you've probably seen things I haven't. I saw it four times in theaters, which is extraordinary for me, just for the record. I think I also did four or five times. I really love this movie. But yeah, it's definitely, it's it's the grittier one. It's the adult Star Wars, I think. Yeah, and uh, I would say a couple of things that are interesting about it. It has one of uh, cinema's greatest ever Valsail romantic relationships between Yeah, uh, no romantic story. Yeah, it's romantic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they ever have sex, but they're, you know, very, lots of feelings there. It kind of reminded me of um, of Furiosa and Max in Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, mm. It's a flattering comparison. You know, there's a lot of, like like you said, like just things that are, that this this manages to be a blockbuster that, that nonetheless does a lot to subvert some of the really cheap, indulgent aspects of blockbuster storytelling. Um and the main thing just being that the characters all have very limited agency and they make the most of it and they sacrifice. Um, That's true. So it's a kind of heroism that, that you can at least imagine imagine taking place in a realer universe, I guess, in that way. Um, yeah. I, I, I've, can I follow up with a question then? I like This was a great movie. I love Rogue One. But if you sat me down and Rogue One didn't exist and you pitched it to me, there's no way I would green light it. It'd be like, well, there's this mm-hmm. war movie and it's attached to the end of the old films and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't deviate from those. And it just sort of it ends where the, you know, the oh, my gosh, the the first Star Wars movie picks up. It just doesn't sound like a convincing film to me. What made it work? Like what made this really resonate with you, do you think? It was weird. This is like the only Star Wars movie that I didn't go and see at the midnight screening. Like I, I didn't expect anything from it. Everything I'd seen from the trailers and stuff didn't look fantastic. They had that horrible trailer where Jin says, "I'm a rebel. I rebel." I don't know if you remember <laughs> that, but it was really oh awful. my god! It's not, a, it's not even in the film. I have no idea why that was ever part of the script or in a trailer. But yeah, I had no expectations of this movie. I just went and saw it, and I ended up loving it. I think, and I don't know, maybe that's part of the appeal is that it wasn't hyped up as this, you know, huge part of the Star Wars story, but it connects to the Star Wars story in a lot of very specific ways. But it does sound ridiculous if you um, are thinking about pitching the idea of Rogue One. Does, does it come off particularly well? I'm not sure I would greenlight it either. How about you, Connor? And that's an interesting question for me, just because I one thing I've had to reckon with a lot lately, and this and I always do this self-referential stuff, but I guess I don't think of storytelling in <laughs> the way I'm supposed to. And so to me, if if you pitched this to me and you told me, um, you know, all the things that we've discussed, the way that it makes the stakes real and it manages these things in a relatively adult way in this incredibly fantastical uh, and familiar universe, um, and sort of the dynamics between you have uh, Kranich and Jin Erso's father, Galen. Their dynamics really interesting. That reminded me, by the way, of you know of when sort of co-founders of something go wrong. It was like tech co-founders or something, or say two podcast co-hosts who uh, <laughs> split ways. Um, you know, Wait, that is, was. <laughs> is that how you're telling me? 
<laughs> right. Jesus. I'm going to be zooming. You know, he, you're going to be hiding on a farm somewhere, and I'm going to come zooming in and uh, abduct you. That's how this is going to. That's how this all ends. <laughs> um, that was handled very well, and uh, you know, we talked about Cassian and Jenner, so interesting characters with a really kind of believable, uh, textured, complicated romantic relationship. Um, you know, and you also have touches like the return of the old Darth Vader theme and you have a really indulgent but awesome and, you know, worthwhile Vader fight scene and all that stuff. Like, if you pitched me on that, yeah, I'd be all over it. Like, it's, it gives me everything that I want in a genre blockbuster. But what I want is apparently not what a lot of people want and I don't know what to make of that. But yeah, I mean, the more I talk about it, the more I adore it. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think a lot of it for me is definitely the characters. I think it's very hard to if you put down the actual just narrative of Rogue One, it's probably not that interesting, but the way that they develop the characters and the script and the way that everything works, characters just have so much depth to them, even though it's a fairly short film, they have no other background. I feel like you get a sense of who each character is, even minor characters like the pilot and Chirrut and all that. Everyone's got sort of depth to them. I'm not sure how they did that, but that's what makes the film interesting for me is the characters and the way they interact together. That makes a ton of sense to me. And it, there's a part of it, you know, when they're all on the beach and they're 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 getting ready to, to to attack to create the distraction and everything. I was watching that with my dad, and like he he had just stepped into the room and he got confused for a second. He thought it was a World War II movie. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, you're right. Look at those helmets. This is a World War II movie. Wow, true. Good scene. There's a lot of really good scenes in the film too. Even like if you want to dissect things, like the cinematography of the film is like it's really beautiful, and they use a really sort of dull, gritty color palette, but everything ends up looking really good. Mm-hmm. I definitely remember sitting in the cinema and thinking how fantastic everything looks. There's a lot of like, you know, reds and dusty tones in typical Star Wars sort of style, but it comes off looking really, really pretty. Even though it's all depressing, it's a very depressing scenario. They seem to make it look nice. Yeah, I think Jin, who's like kind of a street urchin type, is like her world that you're talking about, very dirty and gritty, is much more believable in a shorter span than like what they were trying to do in Solo. Like she's more mm. believable in that than the, than the young Han Solo character, I thought. Um, oh, yeah, the yeah. young Han Solo, that felt like uh, Oliver Twist. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't enjoy Solo. It was, a, it was a fine film. It was okay. You know, that's all I have to say about it. Right. I, I feel similarly. Well, can um, we try another direction here? So, Lucy, we've talked about what you like with the film. Well, we understand overall this is a film that you're into. If mm. if you had if you had to call something out as something that didn't work for you or that could have been better, what was it? Mm. That's tricky. Do you guys have one? I'm going to have to think on that. I, I can give you mine, and it's the stupidest thing in the world. I texted Connor about it yesterday. Palm trees. Like in every Palm other... <laughs> yeah! Like, there's, like, there aren't... Like, most plants in Star Wars are like, that sort of looks like a pine tree. Not here. These are palm trees. It's like <laughs> proof of panspermia, and it freaks me out in the middle of this film. <laughs> Can't you're, say you're I right, Pete, thought that too is... deeply. <laughs> That is a very geeky thing to object to, but I, I'm here for it, man. This is a sci-fi podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I have to think. Um, 
I, I think that like the way that they handle the sort of rebel alliance and how obtuse they are and how strategically just dumb they are, uh, you know, mm. that doesn't need to be developed that well. Like we just get we get it. They're boneheaded. They're losing the war. We should uh, surrender. Just, <laughs> right. Pretty much like if we just surrender. It'll be all good. Like, yeah, all right. That's <laughs> something you would say in this meeting. But like that was that's kind of a little bit ham handed and it's a little bit too convenient from the point of view of what the main characters need to have happen. Um you know, and there's like little plot points like that. But I think that one thing that I'm increasingly saying as we record these is like I'm I don't like to try to unravel stories that I like because I think it's always possible to do it. And a lot of Internet arts discourse tries to do that. Um, so. I'm so shocked that you don't do this. You love to unravel things and ruin them. It's the kind well, of trademark. Oh, man. That, <laughs> that burns, you know. I'm... <laughs> that's that's literally the whole point of this this podcast, Connor. That's true. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm learning how others see me now, and this is just this is a running moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of... Ugh. I don't know. I don't know if I can think of anything I hate in it. Okay, well, some, you know, some of the dialogue's a little clunky, but it's no worse than any other Star Wars film. The dialogue's well, never never the strong point. I will say this. They had a cool opportunity with, with Saw Gerrera, played by Forrest Whitaker, and they didn't do a ton with him. Yeah, yeah, that was disappointing. I thought he was a really, really interesting character, and they just kind of let him disappear into the dust. Okay, this is the names thing again. We talked about that in Alien, uh, Connor, and it doesn't seem to bother you. Saw Guerrera, he's seen the war. Like, isn't that a little jarring? I always thought of it as saw like a tool, cutting through things, but yeah, maybe. Oh, I never thought of it that way. That's upsetting. Okay. Yeah, I just <laughs> It's like when a when a when a person writing a script starts dropping code names in, it's like here I am stupid. Like that kind of makes me angry, yeah. but I mean that being said, it was a great character and I agree with you. We should have seen a lot more of him. I actually wanted to see more of that brain-eating alien. Yeah. Like if, if you're going to drop something like that in the middle, they have to use it on a bad guy within an hour or I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, right. that's true. The whole saw thing was was a lot of setting up stuff that just didn't didn't add a huge amount. It added a little bit, but that's you know, that's kind of frustrating in a story for sure. Um, Lucy, uh, I'm mm. curious to hear. It sounds like you love this movie, and I haven't been able to get you to say anything negative about it. But I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's great. I think it's actually a pleasant surprise. I thought you'd have more objections as a real Star Wars head, which is why I'm curious. Like, what is your favorite Star Wars movie, and why? Rogue One's definitely my favorite. Um, really? Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I'm so into this movie. I really don't understand why so many people didn't like it. Uh, aside from that, I don't know. I really like The Last Jedi. I don't know if liking The Last Jedi and Rogue One correlates with the same kind of people that hate them both. I'm not really sure. But I definitely, I enjoyed The Last Jedi a lot more than Force Awakens. I thought that was an amazing movie. They did some incredible things with it. I feel like it, I'm just constantly confused about why everyone's mad. That's the correct take, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about this. We're all extremely online. We all see a lot of this discourse, and yet none of us, none of the three of us, can actually figure out why people are so mad about these movies. That says something about online discourse. Like, Yeah, I don't, Yeah, pretty much. It's just all indecipherable. Like, you, There's obviously the people that are mad because there's like black people and ladies in the movie that's a whole other subset of people that are mad about it but even star wars fans that aren't 
uh, crazy, racist, sexist, or mad about it, or didn't enjoy it. And I and still don't know why. It's impossible to parse. And, like, you know, the director of The Last Jedi, like, had spent, and some of the cast, including, um, you know, Hamill himself, have spent, like, you know, years now uh, sort of defending the movie and fighting with their critics. And it's just, like, valiant effort, guys. But I can't even tell what they're mad about. I guess it's just broadly, like, you know, they're mad that it's too SJW. And it's, like, did you watch the original Star Wars? Like, for its time, yeah. it was pretty progressive, I feel like, relatively speaking. Yeah, well, I, I remember a certain gold bikini in the in the third movie, but otherwise, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, well, you can't do that anymore, but... Uh... <laughs> And now there's oh. more than one black person in the Star Wars universe. So, you know, we're progressing in the right direction. It's good. Yeah, no yeah. argument here. Uh, <laughs> what about uh, what about the Jedi? That One of the things that was definitely missing in this film, with the exception of Darth Vader's cameo, of course, is a, is a strong exploration of the Force. We had a, one character who either had force abilities of some kind or was basically a bat but i can't think of anybody else uh did that uh i mean are are you comfortable with that because uh, there was certainly a period of time where star wars was about the force that was the deal mm. yeah and i liked that it wasn't so much i feel like that uh Chirrut, the blind guy mm -hmm. um that exploration of the force was really interesting because it took it outside of being this like heroism Jedi type thing and just more of an exploration of it as a spiritual sort of existence in the Star Wars universe. And there was just him that, you know, and his brother or friend or I'm still confused on the relationship between them, um, doesn't believe in it, which is a common theme in Star Wars movies that not everyone believes in the Force. But I thought that was a really interesting way of having the Force in the film without having Jedis. Because, you know, I think Jedis can get a little bit boring. I think it's it's a complicated... I still don't understand how the Force works. Don't think I ever will. But I liked just exploring it as this spiritual concept. Well, I get extremely angry when they start putting explanations around it. Like, it's a lot more interesting as a spiritual concept. Like, when those prequels which I really don't like to think about too much, mm -hmm. were among the greatest disappointments of my adult life. And I'm a little embarrassed by that, but I hated those explanations. Yeah, that's one of the many, many awful things about the prequel films. I, I hated those movies. Did any of you guys like any of them? <laughs> I didn't. A lot of people like um, the third one. What's, what's the third one? It's clone something. Clone Wars Attack or whatever. Of the clones? Attack of the Clones? One of them. Apparently one yeah. of them's better than the others, but I just, I hated oh. every minute of all three of them. I, during, in the first movie, I walked out during the pod racing scene, and <laughs> I've only walked out of one other movie in my life, and that was Highlander 2. And like anybody who <laughs> didn't walk out of that, I have serious questions about. <laughs> I oh. think the only movie I walked out of was Kill Bill when I was 12, and I think that it was just a little bit too gross with the graphic violence. But uh, oh, wow, this is a real Connor origins. <laughs> yeah, I was I was very I was very fussy as a twelve year old, and I'm not fussy at all now, right, Lucy? So yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so you don't you don't understand the force, uh, despite being a uh, hardcore Star Wars fan. I take it you're not one of the thousands of Australians who puts down Jedi as their religion on the census. Oh, it's hilarious. 
Hilarious stuff. No, definitely not. I put down the the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Oh, you guys I, have I, that? I you. Yes. Mm. His noodly appendages. <laughs> oh, hilarious stuff. Classic. <laughs> you, madam, have won the internet. <laughs> Epic. Unreal. I'm so sorry for this. Let's stop this immediately. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That was all. That was all my fault. I'm, I apologize. Uh, um. Yeah, so like, you know, if you've been if you've been into Star Wars for twenty years, like how, you know, did that did that sort of push you into being interested in any other sci-fi, or does it kind of stand alone? Obviously, it's a sci-fi podcast, so we're broadly interested in the genre. I mean, how does that work for right. you? I think I've only really gotten into like sci-fi as a broad category recently. I I don't know if Star Wars really pushed me in that direction. Strangely, I was more of a Star Wars and Lord of the Rings fantasy bullshit type person less so than uh sci-fi films which i really regret now i'm sort of catching up on all these amazing sci-fi movies that i missed when i was younger because they scare me to be quite <laughs> honest i think sci-fi is the scariest genre i don't like really? to think about aliens and things like that i find that deeply deeply unsettling could i ask um, you have you seen alien which we just we just watched recently i have i only saw that quite recently quite embarrassingly very good film. Enjoyed it. Did it scare you? It did scare me. I find space stuff, space and aliens, probably the two most unsettling things. I'm not sure why. Aside from spiders, right? Yeah. Oh, no, because, you know, we all deal with spiders. It's only you I... people that are upset. Look, I, <laughs> I, have, Everyone listening. <laughs> I have seen what happens to a huntsman spider when you spray it, man. Those things are terrifying. Oh, it's awful. That's the worst thing is you can't kill them because if you spray them, they're just this like writhing, terrifying ball. Oh, yeah. Like some legs fall off and they get pissed. Like, yeah, hard they get pass. mad. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> See, this to me is the most horrifying thing to contemplate. I'd rather deal with a xenomorph than a bunch of huntsman spiders in my house. That That's just intolerable. Right, right. I get that. Well, you know, I, I live in Vegas, and one of the things about Vegas is there aren't any mice here, and that's because mm -hmm. the scorpions get them. And, like, I, I, <laughs> I picture Australia having some similar things going on from what I hear, so. Yikes. Yeah, probably. How big is a scorpion? Are they, like, are they large? Well, it's, it's funny. Um, you, there are scorpions that are the size of your foot, and there are ones that are the size of your pinky fingernail, and the smaller they are, the more dangerous they are. Oh, that's very upsetting. Much yeah. like spiders, probably. <sighs> so, yeah, like, I think the theme of this episode has changed radically in the last few <laughs> minutes. <laughs> um, I'm fine uh, with it. Okay. Well, you know, as long as we're talking about Australia, and I, I apologize for this, but a friend of mine, uh, like, uh, hosted me in, God, 2004 when I was out there and took me to do things that he thought it would be amusing to have me do. Like, I tried an mm. Anzac cookie and I petted a wombat and all of those things. And at some point he brought me to a theater and the theater I went to in Australia was like the most pleasant theater experience I ever had in my life. It was like oh, really? a huge vibrating recliner and they brought me beer and they kept bringing me beer. Like, Oh, it, you went to gold class. That's, that's for the fancy people. And so that's still going on, right? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like uh, rich bogans, 
which Connor is vaguely aware of the concept of a bogan, the fancy thing to do is to take your girlfriend out to gold class, which is you get a recliner and they bring you alcohol and stuff. It's a real real luxurious experience for the uh, upper middle class. But I assume you don't do this because you, uh, you're too hipster, so you're going to some Yeah, I go, to, I go to the shitty art house theater where it's cold and shitty, but you can take your own wine in there. Like a... Oh, you- you can take person. a wine. You can take a wine, indeed. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> Trying I, to carry I could, off. I could step away for a while if you guys want to. <laughs> Just what throw happens. a bunch of inside jokes in the podcast. <laughs> That's what happens when you try to bring your, your group DM jokes that you've been nurturing for like years onto Isn't a podcast. Isn't that what? every podcast is it's just a bunch of online people saying jokes that only their online friends understand uh, well we're very excited to have a lot of online guests on to our online podcast it's 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 uh and we're very happy you're the first <laughs> so excited it's, it's all downhill from here <laughs> that's not true at all no it's it's probably kind of true i mean no offense to future guests but um i like other questions like um you said you have been watching more sci-fi. So, like, what is your what is your favorite non-Star Wars sci-fi movie? Uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner is real good. Love watching the android man cry in the rain. It's a beautiful scene. That is a tough like, one to argue with. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty good, right? Um, I don't know. What else is good? What are the What are the good sci-fi movies? I feel like I've seen a lot recently, but the also thing. a lot of bad ones. The Thing is amazing. Yes, I only watched that a couple of months ago. Very good film. No ladies in the film. Very problematic. I love watching <laughs> movies now with my like 2019 glasses on and just being outraged, you know? Actually, I want to ask you a question about that because I, I agree like uh, that, that can be an issue. But I think it's almost worse when like you have a filmmaker who's really only interested in interactions between men and they try to crowbar a woman into the story and it's just yeah, like that's even worse much worse right i kind of respect like filmmakers like guy Ritchie, for instance who just do not have women with speaking roles and it's just like uh, he's interested in men interacting and you know he's not going to mess around with a dumb love interest so you know i kind of that i can respect that at times but yeah I'd... yeah it's much better than having a love interest um there's so many good sci-fi movies lately like ex machina is fantastic Obviously, very good movie. Uh, Children of Men, big fan. You guys seen Moon? Moon's fantastic. I love Moon. Who is I? I know nothing about Moon except you know the object. It was Mm. directed by the guy who was on Twitter recently talking about how his kids are awful. So that's one thing I know about it, but I haven't seen it. Really? Okay. Yeah, he did some bad tweets. It happens. We've all done bad posts. It's so reassuring to know someone more online than me. Thank you, Connor. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Lucy, it sounds like we're going to have to have you back on at some point since you're getting into all these great movies that we need to have someone discuss with us. Yeah, and I can can talk about how there's no ladies in all of them. It can be your uh, most annoying podcast guest. That is very true. I do, I do like that in Children of Men, uh, which is a movie that I adore mm-hmm. on so many levels, but like the, the MacGuffin is a young woman who I don't think says pretty much anything through the course of the movie. <laughs> right. Oh, I've got it. So like you're watching a lot of science fiction, so there are there's a lot of science fiction movies that are good which are in fact terrible. Like, have you yes. start? Have you caught any of those yet? Do any of them really speak to you or particularly offend you? You know what? Where are you at with those? 
Um, I, I feel like not like genuinely offending, but it's, you know, you've definitely got to look at things differently when you're watching, especially a bunch of old sci-fi. I watched something fucking terrible the other week. It had like uh, Farrah Fawcett and Kirk Douglas, I think. It was terrible, but there's all these like 70s sci-fi that are just on a whole other level of bad, but you... very enjoyable to watch. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I'm thinking of Barbarella right now. Mm, or Zardoz. Yeah, yeah. That genre. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole other genre I've never experienced before. But I'm enjoying. Um, I don't know if I am uh, love the ladies in that scenario, but at least there's <laughs> women in there, you know? At least there's women doing their thing. What do you think is a sci-fi besides Rogue One that handles women well, if any? <laughs> um, Annihilation's obviously really cool. I very much enjoyed that. I watched that the other week. Um, I think it would just be good in general to have more sci-fi that is basically all women like that because we've had a lot of the things in history. Right. But so maybe rather I'm than... just a SJW. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Like rather than trying to, it's like sometimes rather than trying to have a diverse cast uh, in a given movie, it might be better to just go one way or the other, go go one gender for the story, which, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. Well, I think that'd part... be good, because, yeah, in general, like, directors and scriptwriters just can't seem to resist having a love interest. If there's a lady in there, she has to be a love interest, and, you know, that's one of the great things about Rogue One, is that it's non-romantic. Well, at the well, end, there's a lot of feelings, but yeah. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it, when we when we talk about uh, science fiction, uh, what I keep thinking about is as uh, as we move farther along and science fiction gets more and more uh, like self aware and less horrible, um, it, it's it seems like we're dealing with fruit of the poison tree, if you know what I mean. Like the origins of science fiction is so terrible. Like, like where it started from and what it was doing, it was basically like colonization porn. And, oh, great! That's good to know. And I'm not, I'm not really. I, I really should have phrased this to have a question somewhere in it. Now I'm just whinging at you. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just a whining SJW. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, God, sorry. Oh, I just, I had one more Star Wars question, if we could fit it in. Yes. Um, so, like, uh, over time, well, Disney has swallowed up the Star Wars universe. So do you think, like, rich dudes or faceless corporations have been ca better caretakers of the Star Wars universe? And is that purchase a good or a bad thing? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how much of an effect Disney has really had on Star Wars. I guess it's hard to tell, because you don't know what it would have been like without Disney. But Star Wars is just so caught up in rich old white dudes and corporations in general that I, I don't know. I mean, does George Lucas, just just George Lucas in general, I, I've never known someone to create something and then destroy their own creation on such an incredible level. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's where my opinions come in, which is like, if if those prequels had been made in the current era, at least if they were bad, they would have been like Marvel movie bad, where there's like more polish, um, less just outright horrific. How did this make it into the script? Um, 
less just awkward bullshit. There would be more like incredibly corporatized algorithmic bullshit, perhaps. But it's like there's something to be said for that in a, in a beloved blockbuster universe versus whatever those prequels were. So well, I would go yeah. with this corporation personally. He did talk about what he was going to do next like for the next set of films, and there was discussion of shrinking Jedis down to get into another person's body to explore the whole midichlorian thing. Oh, okay then, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a weird idea, honestly. <laughs> like, like, the kindest thing I can say is I, I have trouble visualizing that working. Yeah, I'm not sure how that would function. I'm, I'm glad I don't, I don't have to see that ever, <laughs> hopefully. Well, I mean, look, at least with the Jedi were fighting like blood cells, there wouldn't be all this SJW bullshit, right? Like, yeah, that's we can right. at least say that. There wouldn't be all this like commentary on imperialism and capitalism or whatever, you know? God, it really is incredible how much these people will draw like an SJW agenda out of just there's a black person in the movie. Like right, the right, the level right. of which they take that there's like some message just because there's a lady that's like the lead role. It's just incredible. Yeah, right. It's like famous SJW movies such as Predator or yeah. uh, <laughs> Lethal Weapon. You know. Yeah. Well, they expose themselves when they do that stuff. When it's a simple morality tale with good people and bad people, and they're like, I feel judged. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, you're judged because you're the bad guy. Yeah, crazy stuff. Also, I don't know. It's amazing how people miss the message of Star Wars, how many people you realize that are right-wing conservatives that love Star Wars. And I just, I'm not sure what movie they're watching when they watch Star Wars. <laughs> You know, like, what are they thinking when they see Darth Vader? They're like, hell yeah, that that's the man right there. That's the hero of the film. He's like, choke him, choke him. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, it, isn't a lot of it for them that they're like, oh, well, I would definitely be the rebel against this big nanny state that is the Empire. It's like, yeah, that's that's the... that's the Yeah, that's um, what's happening. The Empire wants to give everyone universal health care and, you know, give them <laughs> universal basic income and not have to work, and then we're going to fight against that. That's how, I think that's honestly how they see it, basically. Maybe they do, you know? I, I don't feel like we get a lot of detail on what the Empire wants, politically. Obi Jordan Peterson, you're my only hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yikes. <laughs> I, you just sent a terrible series of images <laughs> in my head. We could never do that again. That should not have happened, and we could edit it out if you want. Well, we we don't have to go the opposite and actually make a Photoshop of that for the episode. <laughs> oh, that God. was great. <laughs> Please don't. Please do not do that. <laughs> don't want to look like, at it. Like a Jordan Peterson meme where he's saying, like, Sam Harris. That's a name I've not <laughs> heard for a long time. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so we're, we're probably reaching the end here. Uh, do you have any projects coming up that you want to talk about, uh, Lucy? Or uh, what about your existing podcast, which I'm just getting into. Yeah, I've, I've got my existing podcast. It's called Bunta Vista. Uh, I, I don't really know what we talk about anymore. It started as an Australian politics podcast, but I don't feel like we talk a lot of politics anymore. But you should definitely listen to it and subscribe to our Patreon because I need money. Is that a good plug? That's as good as, 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 a, as good a pitch as any, honestly. You guys got a Patreon yet for you mums to sign up to? 
We do. We have seven subscribers as of this minute that we're recording this. Uh, wow. Hear it. Hopefully we'll McDonald's have McDonald's tonight, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Pete and I each afford a large, <laughs> sumptuous McDonald's meal every month. So That's pretty good. That's better than a lot of people are doing with their podcasts online, which we all have. It's true. That's true, but you never know when we're going to offend our mothers and lose our subscriber base. Oh, so. yeah, That's just true. like cut off at the knees, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lucy, oh, honestly, it's it's been a real pleasure recording with you, and I would love to have you back some other time if there's anything you want to discuss uh, sci-fi yeah. or book-wise or even games. I can have like, more to say than just saying that I like to film. I'll uh, I'll actually do some research and talk about the uh, mise-en-scene or something. Honestly, well, that <laughs> I'm always down for that, but honestly, you did a fantastic job. Uh, we really appreciate it. And thank you so much for being our first guest. Yeah, mm, Thank been, you for having me. I've been a fan since the Anzac tweet. I'm really glad you're on, and I hope we can have you back again. Hell yeah. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, Lucy. Have a great day. Cheers. <laughs>